Thank you for joining us today um, for the novel podcast. It brings me great joy to uh, welcome today's guest, Brendan Boyd from uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I've, I've not had the opportunity to really sit down with Brendan um, and really kind of have some, some conversation about just his journey and his entrepreneurial um, experience, but um, we have connected through a variety of different people. And, um, you know, I'm just fortunate enough to be able to have some time to sit and, and get your perspective on a few things and be able to uh, get some advice. I'm sure there are a couple of gems I can learn, too. So um, thank you for carving out some time, man, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, man, that's a, that's a really nice intro right there. Bro. Yeah, no worries, you know? man. <laughs> Making me feel like I'm special. Yeah, yeah, hey, you, know? you are, man. We all are. Um, so... Tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, obviously, I, I kind of have an understanding a little bit about, like, your journey and whatnot. But, like, I'm sure there's a lot of things that I don't know. And, okay. you know, I, I think it would, it would behoove just you and I's conversation to kind of get a little more insight and context behind who you are. Um, I'm a Boston resident. I'm from here. I uh, grew up here. I travel a lot, but I still reside here. Okay. Um... My entrepreneurial journey probably started when I was like 21, 22. I started a um, a basketball league in the city that was uh, pretty popular. What was it called? <clears throat> it was called um, Boyd Fan Basketball League. Okay. BBL. Um, and I, I started it because I felt like the city of Boston was a void of um, a men's league that was popular in the city, like where you can go in the summertime, just right. kind of pull up, right. watch some good competitive basketball. Yeah, uh, we didn't really have that. We had BNBL, mm-hmm. but after nineteen, I used to play BNBL, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. that's like it, right? You know. Uh, so we there's other obviously there were there were other men's leagues in the city outside of the city, Greater Boston, places like that, but there wasn't like one where I was like, yo, this right. is the one I want to go to. Yeah, popping. This one. one's popping. Right. Um, so. <clears throat> I thought it was a void, so I wanted to create that. So I tested that out while I was in college. I did a tournament at the park that I grew up in, okay. Norfolk Park. Yeah. In I'm very familiar with Norfolk Park um, because my cousin used to live right off of Norfolk Park. So we used okay. to go play basketball there all the time and used to run around. Then I had another cousin who stayed not too far away from the park. So Yeah. So I did a test league there. It was like a, like a two-day thing. Um, I had maybe like eight teams, so it wasn't a problem getting teams. People were watching. Right, it was competitive. It yep. was the first thing that we really had um, in the city. Now, was this before they they re uh, made the the courts and had it blue? They redid that a couple times. Okay, so it might have been after like the first time. Okay, um, but yeah, I did that, and um, the tournament was successful. So that gave me the idea that you know what. I can really do this league thing. Like, right. I can make it a summer league because that was the plan. Yeah. But I wanted to test the model out. So I did the little the little weekend tournament. Okay. So that was inspiring. Yeah. So I went to work on putting a league together. My first uh, idea was to get, I wanted to have 10 teams. 10 team league. I wanted sponsors. Um, I wanted to be at a park that was easily accessible for everyone to get to. Okay. Um, I kind of wanted that rucker feel. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so these are the things I was thinking about. So I literally just did that. Um, I didn't have. I didn't know 
where I was going to get these sponsors from. I didn't know, you know, how to put together a full schedule. Right. Because the teams got to all play each other. Yeah, yeah. The logistics you know? aspect. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know nothing about that. Yeah, yeah. That's important. Um, <laughs> yep. That's going to make everything run. So. so I had to figure all that out. Right. Literally, like, this is back in the day, right? So I had pencil and paper. Yeah, yeah. Teams one through ten. Like, right. Figuring out, okay, right. they got to at least play every team at least once. You know, they may right. play a couple teams twice. But every team needs to get 10 to 12 games, you right. know? So the league was like 12 weeks. Now, now at this time, too, and I'm not trying to trying to date you, but I assume, <laughs> I assume, I mean, we're, I'm sure we're roughly yeah. the same age, but I assume, like, at that time, right, you could, nowadays, you can go on Google and, and get a lot of that information yeah, or kind of, yeah, like, yeah. how to do yeah, it definitely. the right way, super, right? Now you can just put in... Basketball schedule, right. soccer schedule, right. baseball schedule. You get YouTube There's videos. A program. Right. They'll just yeah. boop. Just yeah. I got six teams done. Right. Back in the day, I had pencil paper. Right. I was tearing paper, tearing up yeah. the sheets. Nine over here, nine over here. You know. So just, I think it's important to point that out. Yeah. That like there, I was, there was some effort being. I was literally figuring involved. this out, and I would like get upset when I was like, "Oh, they only played this team eight times." Right. I mean, th- I mean, this team only got eight games versus everyone else got nine. Like right. you know, I had to figure all that out. Yep. So I did that. As far as sponsorships goes, I had no idea how to get money from businesses. So I so I literally just had a dream about that. Like I think it was on my mind so heavy that when I went to sleep, I was still thinking about it. Right. I mean, some of that stuff still happens to me now with things that I do, but I was still thinking about it. So literally I woke up and I remember this vividly. I was like, sponsorship proposal. Right, yeah. So I just Googled that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, sponsorship proposal. Um, so I looked at that on Google. And um, literally, I just, I did a copy-paste, right, in terms of the idea of what a sponsorship proposal was what, and what I'm pitching, mm-hmm. what I'm pitching to these businesses. Right. But then I, like, I just um, edited it and created it based off of, like, the league and my wants and what I could right. offer. Customize it. Customize it, definitely. Right. So my plan was to get 10 sponsors. I got 10 sponsors. You know, they were, like, check cashing, local real estate businesses, dry cleaning, um, you know, so just, you was going around the community. I went basically. to yeah communities in right. Boston, right? You know, um, store to store. Yep. I probably for the for that ten, I probably had to go to twenty. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the conversion rate's probably not as high. Yeah, as it as, wasn't too bad. I mean, it's like you're giving back to the community. Yeah. You're helping kids get off the street. Right. You're helping to advertise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then I would also give them. If if you sponsor the team I won, you also get a trophy. Right. You know, you would also get a plaque with a t- with a picture of your team. It was very collective. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. every every team jersey had the name of the uh, business sponsor. on the back. Yeah. Sponsor on the back. Okay. Um, so I got that together. That was successful. So I ran that successfully from 2002 to 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only stopped because I met my business partner uh, for society. Yep. And I set out to start a clothing company. And I didn't want to do it do that in the clothing company at the time because I wanted to focus on just the brand. I felt right. like I needed to put all my energy into that. Right. So I actually took a four-year hiatus from the basketball league, and then in 2010, I did a one-off okay. because the demand was still there. Yeah, People yeah. kept asking me for right. it. So I did a one-off. Um, now, it was at Norfolk Park, I assume. Well, no. The tournament was at Norfolk. After Norfolk, I um, I did it on Blue Hill Ave. Okay. Um, there's a park on Talbot and Blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to play over there. Yeah, too. across from um, Frank, yeah Frank Franklin Field. Yeah, Franklin Field. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right across from there. Cause you could, if you're driving was down that Blue Lee School, right? That's, nah, Lee School's a little further than Talbot. This is um, I, I forget the name of it, man. It's been a minute, but you know where Sun Pizza is at? Yeah. 
So right across from St. Yeah, Pizza, right, right. that, that right court right there, right next to the Boys and Girls Club. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So I did it then. I thought that would be a good spot. Because back in the day, like, David could tell you, like, we used to just get in a whip and just drive through the city. Like, yo, you bored? Let's just drive through the city. Right. You know, we pull up on girls. We go to the mall. Yeah. We just listen to music. Yeah, yeah. Just, just moving around. So I figured... I figured it'd be a good spot there because if you're driving down Blue Hill, either going to the city or coming up to Mount Penn, you would you would yeah. see people hooping, right. or you would see people out, right. or you would see the um, you know the advertisements out, yeah. and then go, oh, okay, I'm gonna pull over, I'm gonna see yeah, what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So I thought it was a good spot because yeah. people could see it, the walk traffic, very visible, traffic. exactly, right, 100. So it, that was the home for the majority of it, you know. Um, shout out to Seas Entertainment, Chris and uh, Shea Boogie. They provided the music. So okay. I had live DJ at the games. Yeah. So it was like dope. an event. Yeah. Dope, dope. Um, so yeah, I did that too. So you're creating, not to interrupt, but you're yeah. creating an experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So that was like, early on. Before my idea of what creating and cultivating experiences was, I felt like if you're going to pay me $1,000 for a team, um, and later it was $1,200 because I did full uniforms. But if you're paying me $1,000, $1,200 for, for a team to enter and hoop, I want to provide value. Yeah. Because I don't want you ever to be like, oh, I paid $1,200, right. $120 a player, whatever, and then I got T-shirts Yeah, in the seven games. Right. Nah, <laughs> I want you to come down. Like, you know, we had cameras. We had video back then, um, early. Um, Twitter was popping. So what I would do is I would tweet the, you know, tweet the scores. You mm-hmm. know, I would do my little... Remember the sports in the highlights, you know, team A, B, team B. Yep, yep. You know, team A's, you know, player, he had 30 points, whatever. Like, I would do all that on right, Twitter. recap. Yeah, I had to have the recaps going. So I wanted everyone to get value. And then I had a basic splash page website where they could just go there, see the standings, mm-hmm. uh, points per game, mm-hmm. um, schedule was there. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I was doing all of this. Right. Like, with no, it was all manual. Right, like, literally. absolutely. Yeah, it was all manual. I mean, think about that, right? Like, if, and, and we'll, we'll get into, to... Um, society, but I mean, you're you're essentially a one man band doing a variety of different aspects of, of the business, yeah, right? You're doing sure. the media, you're mm-hmm. doing the marketing, right? Yeah. You're doing the sales aspect yeah. of it, right? You create an experience, the social component, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sure that that is was probably a platform that propelled you, you know, to be successful or prepared for moving into society as well. Yeah, I think so. I, um... I never really looked at it in that aspect, um, but I knew naturally when it came to society or my idea of, of um, uh, you know, continuing my entrepreneurship um, pursuit, mm-hmm. I wanted to create um, something that was almost like a transition. You know, I wanted it to feel like it was a smooth transition. Right. So when I was doing a league, you know, the marketing to me was something I felt comfortable doing. So naturally when I, when I went into society, it was just like, I feel like I can I can focus some energy here. Yeah. You know, like uh, my business partner, he um, was a creative. You know what I'm saying? So he designed. Yeah. Um, he did the art direction. Yeah. All the visual stuff. Okay. So I'm like, okay, my contribution can be marketing. My contribution can be sales. My contribution can be business development. So right. those things kind of naturally fell into what I ended up my roles being. Yep. With um with society. Okay. Um. No. I. I and again. You know, I think a lot of times in life we have different situations that we are involved into. And we don't really see always the shaping of it, mm-hmm. right? Of like how it does help or just a little, the gem of, hey, knowing, yeah, I'm going to go to 
20 businesses but only 10 are going to want to support yeah, for right sure. yep. so, so now when you're when you when you move into a role um in the day-to-day responsibilities of society you know all right well if i'm selling to you know 15 buyers maybe only five of them are going to actually take this actual season yeah for sure right mm-hmm. um so i i think that that type of you know experience is is very um very influential for for us in a variety of different ways but with society like tell tell me a little bit about that 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 whole experience and and some of the wins that um you all were able to receive as a team and what were some of the challenges as well um so starting a brand we literally started out the trunk and this is before this is before right i want to put this out all right right this is before when it was cool to, to like be designers and things of that sort. Like yeah, this yeah, is yeah, for sure. this is this is in the beginning. This is the beginning of the way where everybody wanted to be a creative. Well, I'm gonna and, tell you. I'm gonna tell you out. like this. So so nowadays, if you know, if you're a young kid, there's there's a, there's a blueprint. There's there's several different blueprints of brands that right. not that you can necessarily follow, but you but can but reference. You can, you can reference. Yep. You know when we started. There weren't any brands from Boston. I think the only brand that was really popping was Antonio Saldi. Yep. That's the only brand that was like streetwear, or that's the only brand that was like people that looked like us yep, that yep, actually yeah, did something. Resonating to, yeah, to 100%. black and brown culture. So when we started our brand, the only other brand that really existed was Johnny Cupcakes. Yep. You know what I mean? He had his he had a store on Newberry Street, he had his own wave, he had online. I think I think Johnny Cupcakes was 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 dope because his packaging was on point. Yeah, like for like, sure. Like his niche, he knew he understand his customer. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he had his audience, and that's important. Yeah. So when we started our brand, we literally just there was no reference point. You know, there was no one out of Boston doing a brand, and if they were, it wasn't popping. Right. Like it wasn't like cool. It in, wasn't. in Boston, and let's be honest, Boston's not known to be a street rare culture anyway. No, no, no. Right? Like, it's I preppy. Think it, it, yeah, it, it happened. It, it probably yeah. Yeah, it has evolved, right? Mm-hmm. Just because like anything else, but you know, during that time, you know, J. Crew was was what's popping. <laughs> and you remember, they had um, what's that Ralph Lauren store um, on, on Newbury Street? Rugby. Yep. Right? You remember, so like, you, you gotta remember around that time, I think GQ rated Boston, the worst, best dressed city. Yeah, like, yeah because it's so preppy. So mm-hmm. you know, again, I want to highlight like how different the brand you know that you all came up with was yeah, at that time. It was it was totally different, and I can't take credit for starting the brand. You know, like my business partner Marcel at the time, it, he wanted to start a clothing company. Mm-hmm. Um, we had two mutual introductions. One was, um, you know, one of my one of my um, high school friends, uh, David Hill. You know, he he helped introduce me to Marcel, but then also my brother, uh, rest in peace, he passed away. Okay. But my brother Phil. So those two connections. Shout out to Phil. Yeah, shout out. Shout him out. Those two connections were were what got me to meet Marcel. And when we met, he was like, you know, I want to do this thing. I want to start a clothing company. Um, And at the time, it wasn't even society. It was his name. Yeah. Okay. And I think we we both. Agreed that starting a brand with your name and not having brand equity, you know, not having um, a name that people recognized, yeah, um, have you know, or loyalty in that aspect, it wasn't really gonna go far because back then, like you know, Ralph Lauren, um, yeah, Tommy Hilfiger, like you needed you needed the lifestyle, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying, and coming from the city, the inner city, from the hood, or whatever, like, right. we didn't have a lifestyle where it's like that person's name could could demand. 
you know, a retail price. Absolutely. You know? So we decided to come up with a brand name and then we, we tons of different names, but it was a, a sketch that he had in his notebook of society written backwards that we ultimately, um, you know, defaulted to. Mm-hmm. We felt really, really comfortable about that. But we literally started at the trunk of my car. Okay. You know, I had a car. Well, I mean, I still got a car, but I had a car back then and... He had some. He had two original T-shirt designs that he started okay. before him and I like really linked up. So we we um, finalized them. Mm-hmm. You know, got them bagged up, got them tagged up. Now, were they were they box logos? Um, what do you mean box point? logos? You know, like the that that whole box logo look of you know uh, have like Supreme right? In the no, back no, 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 no. No, this was a liter- This was a a complex graphic for back then. We used. Like um, an army green colorway, okay, and we used a tan colorway. So these were definitely earth tones. You know what I'm right. saying? And then the graphic colorways that were contrasting were just colors that kind of were complementary to each colorway. Okay. You know, and it was one design. Okay. So we had a trunk full of t-shirts, one design, and we just drove through the hood. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Being from Boston, I knew what towns you can go to within the city that like. It was a collection of people always outside. Right. You know, so we went to JP, Dorchester, yep. Roxbury, obviously Mattapan, basketball courts, you know, whatever. And popped the trunk. I got some t-shirts. Right. Like, literally, it was like that. <laughs> every up? every group of people drove yeah. up, pulled up. I got tees. Um, and back then, it was even like, you know, different neighborhoods you wouldn't necessarily just pull up to or, or, or different groups of people you wouldn't necessarily pull up to. Yeah, and popping the trunk, Yeah, too. and popping the trunk. At that. But, like, you know, I was comfortable with that. He was comfortable with that. Right. Um, so that's what we did. So so that kind of snowballed into more of that. Mm-hmm. And then also the hand-to-hand sales, like random people, uh, family members, um, you know, People in school, people I work with, I would bring tees to work. I worked at Sprint back then, so okay. I would have like tees in the back, right? Like, stock room, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> so literally, what I was doing is, you come in, I was fixing phones back then. So you come in for service, fix your phone, and literally, I could sign you up for the basketball league. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or I could sell you a t-shirt. I was doing right. all of that. Yeah, yeah. At the Sprint store. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> hustling. Um, yeah, hustling. If you yeah. was on Twitter, I'd be like, Oh, you want to sign up? Come to Braintree, right. South Shore Plaza, Sprint yeah. Store. I'm here from this time to this time. You can sign up. And literally, dudes would come through with cash, right. sign up for the basketball league or cup of tea, yeah. and, then, and then boom. So we was doing all of that with no no real structure. It was just literally like, let's get these tees off. Yeah. Get money. Right. Let's make some more tees. Right. Whatever. So back then, it was like, all right, what, what's the next level? Like, you know, we needed to get into stores. Can't get into stores with a T-shirt. Right. You, need, you know what I'm saying? You need some, uh, you need, you need some It needs sizes. to be... It needs to be a cohesive situation. Absolutely. Um, so we figured out that we need to put a collection together. And the only and, way um, you had to learn that was, I'm sure, through trial and error. Oh, man, we went to stores, bro. It was like, yo, what's up? I mean, you know, we want to... Can you pick us up? Yeah. And they're like, nah. Like, <laughs> you need to come a certain way. Exactly. You know, so we had to research and figure out that way we needed to come. And that was like line sheet, yep. order form, more right. than one T-shirt. Right. You know what I'm saying? Things like that. So the whole the whole package. Yeah. So we so we literally came up with a concept of the first collection and ended up being seven T-shirts, maybe two or three colors each. Um, and then one of my boys, he was a model back then. We used to work out together. Um, shout out Shane Cranmore. But he was the he was on the first 
uh, line sheet, you okay. know, which is basically like you know He's being the, a model. Yeah, he right. he was he was the the front he was the face yep. of that particular collection. Yeah. Um, so literally, it was one sheet. He was on he was on he was on uh, the front uh, on um, let's say it was an eleven by seventeen folded whatever. Yeah. He was on one side of eleven by seventeen. Next to him was like the story of the collection. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Contact info. Yeah. Then on the back of that was all seven of the t-shirts, logo, different colorways. You know, and then the name of the style, stuff like that. Yeah. And then we had an order form, so you could right. say, I want five of these, four of these, whatever. Yeah, the whole um, media campaign and everything exactly. take So care. then, now now we're kind of back after popping the trunk, but we're popping it for retailers. Absolutely. You know, so at that point, I just went store to store. Like, you know, I got we got these shirts, we got a collection dropping. Would you like to, order, you know, put an order in? And um, the, first, the first store... That gave us the hell nah, or the like, we're good. Sunned us, or whatever yeah. it was, was laced. Okay. Back in the day. Um, shout out to Joe Mel, um, for sure, because I mean, he's, take, he's taking lace to um, a whole nother level. Um, so yeah, definitely shout out. Times. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but back then, there was the buyer, um, it was Sponge. And um, pulled up on Sponge, like, same thing. Like, got the line sheet, got the collections. Um, he was like, yo, what you should do is take this shit to New York. Let that shit bubble out there. Let this shit <laughs> pop out there. Then come back. Yeah. And, and and we'll see if we'll fuck with you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's like, that's the whole, that was that was it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, that send was off. It. Yeah, that was a send off, man. Like, he, was, he wasn't fucking with us. You right. know what I'm saying? I'm like... Bro, I see what the fuck's in here. Like, right. this shit ain't the hottest shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's brand name, it's recognizable, but this shit ain't really, right. like, yeah. you know? You ain't, you ain't dropping no exclusives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that shit gave us, um... Oh, hold up for a second. Um, can't forget about Aleko, because Aleko... Aleko was the owner of Lace, the original owner of Lace, sold it to Jomel. Um, but Aleko always showed us love back there. Okay. Um, but he didn't have nothing to do with the buying. You know what I'm saying? That was all Sponge at the time. Shout out Sponge. Great, great dude. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, so no 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 love lost against him, but that's just where we were at at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I went back to the office. At the time, the office was in my in my apartment, and um, Marcel and I would meet at night, and uh, we just talked about, like, yo, listen, like, maybe we need to take this shit out of Boston, get some cosigns, or, um, you know, connect with some other retailers to show that we got some backing, some support, mm-hmm. then we can fuck with, like, Stores here, you right. know what I'm saying? Um, Show so me, really, had yeah. some traction, and, and it wasn't really stores in Boston. Anyway. It was like Lace, it was like Karma Loop, it was A Wall, it was um, um, damn, there was like two other stores I can't remember that were also in Austin, um, but there wasn't a lot. There wasn't right. a lot of streetwear. Right. Streetwear in Boston was. Just I mean, there's still really not a lot. I mean, relatively speaking, yeah, yeah. If you, not if you a can lot compare of... it to like a New York or like L.A. Mm-hmm. right on Fairfax or. Well, they were more then than they are now, because the ones that the ones that remains are the ones that had, you know, they're they're more branded. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like they had gunction. Yeah. And that's, but I'm still saying yeah, still yeah. there's just not Before a lot. The, yeah, there's way less now. Right. You know, before there was, before there was more entrepreneurs in that space. Trying to be in that space consistently, you know what I mean. And nowadays, there's only like maybe four, right? You know what I mean. Um, so, but yeah, so we literally went to 
New York, and we went to these different places. Um, didn't really know what the fuck was going on. Yeah, but, trial and error. Yeah, but I always had an ear for music. You know what I'm saying back then. So what I would be like is, yo, let's hit up these concerts. Let's get let's get some product to these artists. Yeah, you know. And the first um, person that we successfully got our product to was Lupe Fiasco. Mm-hmm. Went to a Lupe show in New York, and um, the show was popping. By the way. Um, I remember, like, we had a really good time. Lupe was coming off the stage, and um, I had a tee on me. I was like, Lupe! And he looked, and I just chucked the tee at him, and he caught it. You know what I'm saying? Um, that was the first person that actually was a celebrity, a rapper, whatever, um, that we got uh, product placement to yep. at the time. Right. Um, so I'm like, yo, we could... Very, very creative way, yeah. too. To I was like, yo, we could do this shit. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So... From there, I was just like, all right, who else could we get product to? How could we get it to them? Um, you know, could we get pictures of these guys? You know, like, could we leverage somehow? You right. know what I mean? So that's really what helped us start to position a brand parallel to um, celebrities and the who's who right. and artists and athletes and because you guys had you know. some you you all had I mean a lot of notoriety right yeah, I yeah. mean mm-hmm. you guys were in a, a vast amount of different publications yeah um I know Kendrick Lamar you know was was a big fan of you guys yeah too. Kendrick Lamar was early supporter um Ke- Mac Miller was Mac early Miller supporter. right yeah Mac. Mac right I was listening um, to Mac today Wiz um, Khalifa yeah he used to fuck with us Telegame fuck with us heavy early on yeah. Shout out to shout out to them. Um, um, what's the currency? I was currency about to say fuck currency. With us heavy. Yeah, yeah. Um, bunch of different athletes fuck with us. Um, I mean, yo, it went on. Chance the rapper. Yep. He showed I us mad Chance, love. Yeah. He actually before he before he really branded, didn't he have it on in a double well, XL. So before he really branded his his three hat, he used to always wear either the big S, the big backwards S, we yep. call it the big S. Yep. Or he would wear uh, the bike logo. Right. Those were the two that he he would always wear. So we'd yeah, always I remember see them, seeing see him in some, that. Some of them So shout out to Chance, but and um, Childish Gambino. But yeah, like people fucked with the brand. You yeah. know what I'm saying? They always fucked. No, with it. I I remember. Yeah. I remember. Um, I remember. You know, because I it was on Karma Loop. Yep. Um, for for a while, so I remember. You know, just going on Karma Loop site and seeing it, and then you know, going on you all site and you know, seeing all the publications and the notoriety that you're receiving. Um, what, from your perspective, what was, if you could say, Chad, this was the biggest thing I learned through that whole experience, through the highs and the lows. What was the biggest thing that you learned from that experience? That maybe even to today, um, it's it's a a time that you look back and, and you utilize that to, to you know, garner some success? Well, maybe, I would say maybe three things, man. The first thing I would say is, like, structure. Okay. You know, I think structure was huge. We didn't have structure back then. We were just fucking, like, just doing day to day. Like, you yeah. know, we had a list of shit to do. Right. We would meet every Sunday, like, yo, we're going to take, we're going to knock this out. But we didn't have a really structure to say, okay, Mornings is this, afternoons is this, yeah. Fridays is this, Wednesdays is this. Right. Once a week we doing this. So structure huge. You know, I would say structure number one. Number two is internship. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Or having some type of mentor. We didn't have that neither. There was not a clothing company before us. So 
uh, we didn't we didn't partake in any internships or we didn't work for any you know any brands that say okay we're gonna focus on marketing we're gonna focus on graphic design we're gonna focus on accounting like we didn't have none of that yeah that so that was all like on the go. Right. You know what I mean? And then And those again are very integral parts yeah, of an organization. Yeah, it's vital. It's vital. And then the third thing I would say is uh establishing a team. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I think establishing a team is huge. I think that's very important. Um so we did that, but that happened like later in the game for us. You know what I mean? Uh, we ended up with ten people working. Okay. That was the height. We had ten people. Okay. We had uh four on salary. In, in uh, six interns. Okay. That was like when we were like moving and grooving. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So whatever happened to it? Uh, 2014, um, it was a tough year. My business partner, I, um, you know, we we basically like barely got through the year. Mm-hmm. And we came to a crossroads and we needed to decide like on some, some internal huge decisions. That kind of goes with the structure. Right. Kind of goes with the team. Yeah. And we really couldn't get it right, just on like who to hire, the direction we were going forward in, and things like that. We just weren't on the same page with those decisions. And then ultimately, it was just like a divide in like where we were gonna go. So you know, he ended up doing this thing, and I ended up doing my thing at the end of 2014. Okay. So this is um, this is great because it brings me to my next question. You've you've doing this for how many years? Um, Seven. 10. 10 years. Yeah. All right. So at least 10. All right. So 10 years. Um you were putting your your efforts and blood, sweat and tears in, into this idea. How was it when you were at this crossroad uh, road and now you had to pivot and go a different direction and now reinvent yourself into a whole nother industry? Yo, to keep a G, man, it was it was easy. Okay. You know? Now, um, why was it and easy? And I'm not saying it's easy. To why, would it, why was it easy, though? It was easy for me because... In your opinion. You know, in those 10 years or 10 plus years, I felt really comfortable with my marketing skills. I felt really comfortable with my salesmanship. Okay. I so you understood your value. Yeah. I felt comfortable with my networking ability and my ability to business develop. So I'm like, all right, if I could take these skills and figure out another path to invest them in, um, and I felt comfortable in the next industry, the next business, or the next company... Okay. I'd be good. So during my transition, like I thought about, all right, maybe I work for the Celtics, maybe I work for the Bruins, maybe I work for Reebok or something. I was looking for like marketing jobs, heavy. Um, But then, like I always had this inkling to get into real estate. Okay. You know what I mean? Like my favorite game even to this day is Monopoly. I remember Mm -hmm. playing Monopoly back then. And, like, I would be hella emotional about decisions. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yo, let's negotiate here or I'm buying this or, yo, you owe me money or pay this rent. You right. know what I'm saying? Or right. whatever. So, I'm like, maybe I'm a, maybe real estate's the move. So, I prayed on it, literally. Okay. Woke up. I did I did um, what I normally do every morning, especially back then. I grabbed my phone, look at my emails first thing. And uh, the first thing popped up was a Groupon email. For real estate in Boston, which is pretty ironic because I was just thinking about it. And I looked down and it said 350 with the slash 175. It's a group on. So okay. I'm like, bro, I got two pair of Kobe's in my in my closet right now. Each <laughs> of them cost 225. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, and I ain't getting nothing from this. Right. I could take the real estate uh course, worst case scenario, I can get my money back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Get my investment back. So that's what I did. I just called them right away, signed up, um, Metropolitan Real Estate, Somerville. And it was uh, four 10-hour classes. 
to get uh, the certificate to then be able to take the exam. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally, it was fluid. Like, it took me two weeks to pass the class okay. and then two days to pass the exam. And I was licensed. Right. You know, and then at that point, the only person that I knew in real estate was um, my boy J- uh, Jason Schuster okay. um, in Austin. He, when I moved to Austin, he was the first person I literally met uh, at his brokerage at the time. And we connected on on sneakers culture. He's from New York. I'm from Boston, um, so we just kind of had like a common um, thread there. And um, I called him right away, like, "Yo, I got my license. You think I could work with you?" <laughs> yeah. You know, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, come through work, man." And I felt like I needed to be somewhere where it was like a a nice atmosphere so I could learn. Yeah, a you know fostering environment. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So I was there. My plan was to be there no longer than two years to get the skills that I need or feel comfortable enough to, to move on. And I ended up only staying for 15 months. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So from, all right, so now now take me through that process. Now now you got your real estate license. Um, you know, where did the strategic or the structure come into, right, that you thought would have been beneficial as society. Where did that come into play in order for you to even feel comfortable to leave after 15 months? Because that right there, to me, that shows that you felt like, you know, you were at a, a point where, you know, you're good and, yeah. and you're ready for a different challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Because other than you would have stayed there. Yeah, so I always wanted to sell. In proper real estate, um, you could sell there, but they were more focused on renting in that market because their niche was um, rentals between uh, BC, BU, Austin, Brighton, Brookline, you know, the college demographic. Okay. Um, so I wanted to go somewhere where I could um, just focus more on selling. I wanted to be in an environment where they focus on selling and focused on listings and focused on developing uh, relationships with developers and, um, you know, clients that had longer portfolios. I just wanted to learn a trade of how to sell real estate. Okay. So when I when I felt like I mastered the rentals, and I did sell at proper, um, my first two um, sales transactions were there. But once I did those and I felt comfortable enough, I'm like, I need to go somewhere else, you know? Yeah. So I ended up going to Ingo & Volkers, which is a high-end luxury real estate um, brand. Okay. And um, they originated in Germany, but they had a home on... Um, you know, off of uh, Newbury and Gloucester Street. So I was there. Okay. So that's where I transitioned to first. Okay. Um, so how has your experience been thus far with real estate? I mean, I, I would say to me, I'm, I'm at that age where now people are beginning to obviously buy homes mm-hmm. or plan to buy homes, yep. right? Or now families are starting to emerge, um, you know, how has your experience been thus far um, with like millennials and, and that type of demographic that you're you're um, connecting with to try to you know sell real estate to? I mean, my experience has been great. I mean, we're all connected by real estate, whether we want to pay attention to it or ignore it. We all live somewhere, right? Yeah, we so would hope like, so. Yeah, we would hope so. <laughs> or if you don't now, you used to, mm-hmm. and if and if you don't now, you will. You will, right? You know, so um, whether it's renting. Owning, um, buying, selling, whatever, commercial, residential, we all have something to do with real estate. Mm-hmm. So my experience has been great because I love it. You know, it allows me to 
um, connect with so many different people. They all got different stories on why they're looking for an apartment, why they're leaving somewhere, why they're coming somewhere. Yeah. Maybe they're in the same city, they're upgrading, maybe they're downgrading, maybe, you know, it's a relationship coming together and they want to right. live together. Maybe it's a relationship yeah. breaking up and they each need a spot. <laughs> it's a need, it's you a know, purpose. It's a need, it's a purpose. And it's good for me to connect with a client, uh, hear, what, hear what their thoughts are and what they want, mm-hmm. um, be able to support that, and then add in information or answer questions that they may not know about a particular neighborhood, a particular city, mm-hmm. um, the vibe, um, you know, things like that, and then just guide them on that journey. You know, yeah. I love touring um, properties with, with clients and, you know, walking them through and then finishing up a deal and handing the keys over. Um, like, I love that experience. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I kind of I kind of thrive on that. And you're um, helping uh, someone, right? Yeah, well, that's the big thing. It's like helping people to me is everything, whether it's directly or indirectly. Right. I genuinely care about friendships that I have and clients that I meet and being able to help them along the way in the capacity, whatever capacity I can. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, that matters to me. I don't normally do things just to do them. I do things because I care about them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I think that's very important because... Um, you know, I, I feel as though as a community, you know, it's imperative for us to have individuals like yourself um, that are uh, available to be reached, right, for spaces such as real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the genuineness is something that a lot of times is not necessarily there in today's climate. A lot of it is just based off of, you know, just trying to sell something yeah. just to get, you know, get some more money, you know, I mean, at something the end of, of the that day, sort. I'm gonna get a commission on yeah. the, on a thing, but that's not what I lead with. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, whether, uh, that's whether, not. I'm yeah, sure right. that's not like the the only inspiration. Yeah. Whether it's there. a million dollar property, right, or it's a seventeen hundred dollar rental, I'm like I've done both, right? So it's like I'm gonna help you. Yeah. You know, which whichever way that I can. Like, I've even helped people find rooms before. You know, um, if I'm able to. Like, yeah. I've, I've definitely I've definitely done it, and, it, and it's important to me. And then hopefully. The clients, you know, they appreciate the service that they got and they refer me or they retain me. They want to, you know, we develop relationships right. and if they moving on to another spot, like there's definitely clients that I've helped move to three different places. Yeah, long term I helped buy a spot and then sell a spot. Um, it's been definitely on both sides. So, okay. Uh, I definitely enjoy it. So what's been, what's been the miss, uh, the biggest misconception uh, of, of real estate that you perhaps had a... A initial idea or for me understanding. Or for someone else looking at and looking at that industry. I'm gonna say from you, from your perspective. Okay. Um, misconception for me. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a. I can't say there's been a misconception in me in terms of my views on the industry or my views on being a realtor, um, per se. Um, I never thought it was gonna be easy. Um, I never thought that you know it would be something that anyone could do because I don't think anyone can necessarily do it. I think people could do whatever but it's not like you know just working at a retail spot like there's there's a there's a science and a finesseness yeah yeah for and, sure and, it has some, to be. and some um, professionalism that that comes with you know trading real estate mm-hmm. you know um, so I don't really have a misconception per se okay um, now I would say from where you're at now, do you foresee yourself staying in the real estate industry or is there other things that you're really passionate about that um, you plan on working on 
in the upcoming or foreseeable future? Well, I think I'm going to, you know, I, I can see myself maintain my real estate license, you know, um, whether that's be in, in Massachusetts or expanding to other states or whatever. I definitely can see that. I feel like I'm always going to have some type of connection uh, to real estate, whether as an agent, developer, and investor. You know, I'm, I'm definitely going to continue to have that relationship. In terms of other my other passions, like I'm super passionate about fitness. So, you know, like I ran a Boston Marathon twice. I've played basketball like the majority of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm more focused on like strength training, um, staying fit, eating right. I love social workouts so if there's homies or friends I think it's a great way to get to know somebody yeah absolutely um, or like a good activity for you know you as a group to kind of do right so I think continuing along that along those lines um, the fitness has allowed me to uh, reconnect with fashion mm-hmm. because I wasn't really motivated after I left society to kind of be in fashion uh, so I took four years off I guess um so now we are four years later, I'm starting a new brand, and it has connection to fitness. Like, it's fitness-inspired. Okay. And now I'm reconnected to, um, you know, the fashion industry and, 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 you know, where I was a couple of years ago. So that's kind of like a full circle thing. Yeah. And and now having to connect to my lifestyle, my fitness lifestyle. Um, that's, so that's really it, man. It's like getting back into fashion... Like growing my fitness journey mm. and then real estate, and I feel like how my lifestyle is, it's all connected. Yeah, yeah, it's it all, all intertwines to each other. Um, another thing that I kind of um, discovered about myself this year is that I never really looked at myself as a creative. You know what I mean? I felt like uh, my business partner was a creative, and I always thought creative was like arty, design, yeah, art, yeah, um, you know, clothing, um, you know. Even music, you know what I'm saying? I never looked at myself as a creative, like, conceptually thinking about, you know, a business I want to do or um, a project that I want to create. So this year, I kind of, like, embraced that. So I'm all about my, my, my creative spirit. Yeah. So I grabbed a camera. You know, I started my own podcast. Okay. Um, I take photography. You know, I try to use my, my Instagram as much as I can to capture moments. I think documenting is, is super important. I think telling a story is super important. I agree. Um, so I'm exercising myself and my interests in those different realms. Mm-hmm. You know, I even have uh, weekly strategy sessions with uh, some friends of mine, and we bounce ideas off. We just work independently on things. We just work as a group. Right. Because I feel like cultivating that energy amongst people that have similar interests, like... It's a it's a safe and vulnerable place you can be, so you can continue to create. Right. But it's also like a fostering environment, Absolutely. so you can help build upon some ideas you should have, or you can feel comfortable enough to maybe throw an idea out. Right. That it's not you, even you all the way hashed out. Yeah. 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 So I'm thinking about doing X. What do y'all think about? You know, this is like your your, yeah. your safe circle. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you can bounce that idea off, and you can get it back. Or they could say, oh, maybe you should think about this. It's like, oh, wow. And it just expands. Yeah. You know what I'm, I mean? so, I'm glad you said that because, you know, in creating novel, um, you know, my business partners and I, you know, what the biggest concept was, you know, creating that community where people can just bounce value off one another. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not necessarily just you know, um, a platform where. You know, you have minority-owned businesses and bringing awareness, but it's also 
you know, heavily enthused by just people connecting with each other, because I think that's very influential in, in a very um, intimate way, yeah. right, to to do business and to gain knowledge, right, um, you know, for someone who, you know, like a, a company, you know, such as like Oracle, you know, they, they have a lot of transplants that come into to the city from Texas or California or whatnot, and like someone like you, would be very beneficial to know, right, to help them navigate through the city for someone who grew up in the city, someone who had success in the city, too, um, and the ability to connect people to different things. And whether if, if that's from a business perspective, mm-hmm. it's that from a, um, a housing perspective, if, if it's from a fashion perspective, from a um, health perspective, you know, I think, um, you know, having individuals who have similar interests as you and, and like-minded people is very important just to have in, you know, in your community as, yeah, yeah. as, as well, a whole. 100%. I think networking is huge, man. I think you're, you're really an example of people that are in your network. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's, you know, you got your core and that's really what it is or outside of your core, you got a bigger circle, a bigger circle, a bigger circle. Maybe it's your fitness friends or your work friends or like, the friends that you grew up with, um, or people at the spin studio, mm-hmm. maybe you develop a relationship with people that you know from a retailer that you go to all the time, or a smoothie shop. Right. Like I think the more people that you know, the more people that you connect with and can expand with, that's gonna truly bring the value to whatever you're trying to do, or just enrich your life in general. You yep. know what I'm saying? The more touch points you can you you can make, or we can. can the more touch points we can make on Earth, in our city and other cities, like I think, the more rich we become. Yeah, you know, I generally know someone in every well, not every state, but every place I've been. Right. I generally know you, you, someone. You take a contact. Yeah, back. where it's like, if I go back there, I'm good, or vice versa. Yeah, that's that's I what can, I call finesse. Or I can refer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like I go to Toronto. I've been going to Toronto a lot. You know what I'm saying? And I could say confidently, like. A lot of people's journeys to Toronto started because I introduced them to the city. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think the more value that you have from your travels or your um, your professionalism, or if you if you're versed in a particular subject or something, and you're able to give that value to others, I think that's really where the richness where, where the richness to, uh, lives. Yeah, man, I, I agree, uh, and, and very well said. Um, and I don't know how much you're willing to talk about this this new venture that you're working on, yeah. but um, I would love to to know a little bit about it and any way that I can help um, in that regard as well. Yeah. So the brand is the brand is called Pursuit, and it's um it's spelled out P R S T, uh, but it stands for Pursuit. And basically, to me, it's like we're all on a journey for something, right? We're all pursuing something. Mm-hmm. Um, or we all pursued something, right? And um, to me, it's like the the journey of wellness, right? Your mind, body, soul, fitness is a bridge to help us get to what we are trying to pursue. Or it can be a bridge if right. you want to embrace that, right? Okay. So um, I wanted to create this brand to show that you can use fitness as a way to pursue whatever you're trying to do. So if it's like... A girl that you're trying to meet, whether you're just trying to grow in different aspects of your life, um, you know, maybe you're trying to start a brand, you want to go into the entrepreneur space, maybe you want to try to uh, climb a corporate ladder, and maybe you're just overweight, or your health isn't the best, you just want to get healthy, right? right? Yeah. 
we're all pursuing something. So fitness is a bridge. You know what I'm saying? Wellness is a bridge for us to 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 get to those pursuits. Yep. Um, so that's the whole concept behind the brand. So I wanted to create clothing that was um athletically and leisurely inspired, right? So it's athleisure. Things that you can literally, if you want to go bust and run real quick, yeah, you can you do can that, do it, come right. back and then just get something to eat. Like right. You can just be comfortable in. Right. Um, it still looks stylish. It still looks stylish. It still have, have a, you know, you know, you can still feel confident about what you got on in whatever elements that you're in, you know, whatever atmosphere that you're in. Right. So that's really what the brand is about. So I'm trying to launch it um, this season. So soon, you know, it's going to be out. Sometime between um, the two holidays, so Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on watching it. Dope. Well, congrats, man, and um, you know, I, 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 I know that anything you touch is gonna have some success to it. So that. definitely have my blessings and, yeah. and my team's blessings. Um, you know, I really appreciate you carving out some time. I'm glad I was able to sit down with you and feel like I know a little bit more about you, even though I felt like I knew you a yeah. little bit prior to. Um, but yeah, man, I really appreciate that, and good luck with uh, with pursuit, and good luck with um, the real estate industry that you, you know, being a uh, 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 Kobe Bryant of, of, of Boston. <laughs> Listen, man, um, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to grow in that. Like, I don't feel like I'm on the top of my game in real estate. I feel like every day I'm getting better. Right. Um. So I just want to get better in different aspects. Serve serve my clients the best that I can. Provide advisorship and information and guidance and um you know just grow i'm all about evolution growing you know um becoming a better version of myself and in turn i'm I'm, you know i hope to help someone else become a better version of them yeah you know so that's dope so man i appreciate it hopefully uh someone to listen to they got a couple gems from this i know i did yeah Um, i mean if they want to if you know if they want to yeah where where can they uh where can they connect with you if they want to connect with me on the social um it's at boyd fam at sign B O Y D F as in Frank A M. If you want to follow um, the Pursuit brand on that journey, it's at P R S T Fit F I T. Um, and if you feel like you want to follow my real estate journey, um, that's at Boyd B O Y D and Co underscore. Cool. Yeah.